Sheltering at Home. It's the TEH podcast, episode number 91. I'm Leo Notenboom of askleo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig from macmost.com. So yeah, sheltering from home, that's pretty much what, that's, that's like a Tuesday for us. I mean, it's... <laughs> it's just, this is like how we do the show, you know, normally. Normally, uh, yeah. So it's not a um, big deal we for us, but... Chatting very briefly before we started recording. For me, it really is normal. I mean, you know, yeah. my wife and I are here, the dogs are here, uh, you know, the dog count has gone up to four. But um, <laughs> other than that, it's just, it's a, it's a normal, normal day for us, uh, except there's a lot less traffic. And, and since we live next to uh, what is essentially... Um, a path to a long park kind of a thing. Uh, there's a lot of people walking by and so forth, but um, your life is ever so slightly different. Yeah, because family and everything like that. Yeah, uh, but but it is, uh, you know, I've, my work, my normal work day mm-hmm. is the same, sitting in my office, making my videos, doing things like this, updating my websites. So my work isn't impacted, which is kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I get... It's weird to say. It's a very weird thing to say, but I get jealous a little bit when I see people talking about how they're passing the time or how they're working from home. Oh, I can just wear whatever clothes I want. I'm like, I can wear whatever clothes I want normally. And I can't like say, oh, I'm going to binge watch this show or or learn something or do something else because I don't have any extra time. It's I'm doing the same amount of work as I've always done. (laughs) I don't yep. have an excuse. Yep. Although I am personally, I'm trying to squeeze in a few more experiments because I know that a lot of people, a lot of the folks who who read our stuff and who listen to our stuff, they are, you know, sheltering at home. They are stuck in places. And I'm trying to do a few more video things, live things, like after after we finish recording this, I'm going to go hop on Facebook Live, give that a try for uh, um, for the first time, just to sort of see if that will work and, and see if it can answer any questions for folks. So I'm trying to use it as a little bit of an opportunity for experimenting, a little bit of, uh, and, and, you know, supporting supporting my people. Mm. So Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's see. So the top story I wanted to bring today uh, is actually a local one to me. And that is, it just, it fascinates me because there's a number of different nuances to it. Um, As we have heard over and over and over again, uh, there is a dramatic shortage in PPE, personal protective equipment, specifically uh, masks and shields for the medical professionals who are on the front line uh, dealing with uh, the infected and the potentially infected uh, coronavirus sufferers. And a local company here who normally makes furniture, of all things, has uh, stopped, and they've done a couple of things. One is they apparently one of the fabrics they use is like an ideal mask fabric. So they ended up getting a pattern for making masks, and now their staff is churning out face masks at, at quite the pace, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. The uh, As I understand it, the pattern... Uh, from for the mask that they're using actually came from um, somebody overseas, uh, not just some random somebody, but um, uh, let's see, got it. Uh, let's see, it was an individual who uh, um, I think was in Holland, if I'm not mistaken. At any rate, point being that. Uh, you know, all this information is flying around on the internet about how to make masks. It's getting into the right people's hands, um, and they're turning around and making it happen. Uh, the other thing that they're doing, and there's actually some interesting video. Uh, the link that I'll have for this story is actually a local uh, local news station here in the Seattle area. And I believe if you watch the video, they'll actually show you a laser cutter um, in action. Now they've got uh, the laser cutter at the fa- at the furniture building store for you know the various patterns for the fabrics that they throw onto uh, the chairs or the couches or the ottomans or the whatever it is they're building. But uh, they have repurposed that, and they are now printing patterns uh, of uh, the basically clear plastic that they then can create or use uh, that to turn into protective masks for the folks that are um, you know, in the medical profession. The, uh, the, the, uh, the cloth masks that we think of, those are important in a variety of different ways. But what a lot of people don't think of are the, the shield-type masks. These are the, the full clear plastic masks that drop down in front of, uh, say, a doctor's um, 
uh, face while they're operating on somebody or while they're working on somebody. I mean, it's the case where the individual in front of them could do a full-on sneeze into their face and it would stop that, right? It's, It's that kind of a thing. I just thought it was just wonderfully interesting and remarkable to see this this person who's running a, uh, a furniture making store, a furniture making operation, suddenly realize that he could repurpose his entire operation uh, in the time in a time of need like this, and then to have all that information flying at him from various sources on the internet for the patterns for making this stuff. It's just cool. I just I just think it's it's really innovative and really interesting. Um, that 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 kind of stuff can happen. Well, and, and that ties into something I was going to talk about later, which is that um, among the many companies that are repurposing some of their factory power for this, Ford is manufacturing a few different things, and one of those uh, are those powered um, protective masks, and they're using parts from F one hundred and fifty trucks from the seat cooling system. So I saw that headline. What part? <laughs> well, I mean, I, so I assume they, so seat cooling, I assume that means you can cool your seat. I mean, we yes. have heated seats and I have seen that, you know, there are cars that will be cool, cooling seats as well. So I guess their F-150 trucks have that as an option. Yeah, my, my Sequoia has that actually. It's okay. actually quite nice. It's a 10-year-old Sequoia, but it's got in, you don't use it often, but on those hot days when you do, oh. <laughs> so there's probably filters and motors in there, right, to make the air move around. Um, you know, it's part of the you know this whole thing. Industrialization had many different phases, and one of those phases, phases of course, hundred years ago plus, was the idea of reusable parts. Um, and uh, actually, read an interesting book. I wish I could remember the name offhand, but it talked about how that wasn't always the case. Like a clock manufacturer, for instance, that manufactured clocks or watches or whatever, would actually make each individual unit one at a time. Right. So even though there were parts in it that were supposed to be the same, if you took, say, a certain you know piece of one clock and tried to actually fit it in another, it wouldn't fit. Because each each clock was built by like like one or a group of craftsmen, and that piece may have been actually a little bit bigger or smaller at a different angle than another one, and all the other pieces were built to match that. So you had something that looked very similar, but the parts were not interchangeable. The same thing with guns. I think this this is about the time of the American Civil War, is that the guns were manufactured that way. So if you your firearm in the middle of battle uh, failed. Uh, there was nothing you could do except send the firearm back to a craftsman to actually uh, work on it. And um, it wasn't until at some point during that war that they actually started to get, uh, you know, where your firearm would fail. And then you could actually go to your company's supply area and get a part that would right. then fit into place. And right. the same thing with the clocks. And you could actually go and say, oh, my clock has broken this part cracked or something and they would send you a part and it would fit right place well now you know all this time 150 some years later we've got this thing where parts are used for all sorts of different things and ford says hey we've got parts that are just like that or maybe even exactly the same part right it's part of our cooling system for our seats you know instead of being for uh you know these uh medical protective masks and uh that means they could use that as part of the manufacturing process. So interesting. I I like seeing all these different companies, um, you know, look this, you know, look into this kind of stuff. Um, You know, you'll notice in, in our notes, I actually included a link to an article uh, in Newsweek where uh, Tesla is essentially doing, I don't want to say the same thing, but similar things, right? They're going to use some of their capacity to apparently produce ventilators, which is something else that is, um, expected to be, unfortunately, right. in very high demand in the coming weeks sure. and um, in very short supply for any number of different reasons, uh, not the least of which is that we weren't really prepared. Same thing for N95 face masks, the ones that uh, really do protect the wearer from uh, the various, uh, the virus and whatever else can can head to their face. So it is kind of cool to see these, these, lar- these large companies, these small companies, these individuals. It's funny. In addition to, um, this isn't necessarily so much tech-related as it is just kind of cool to see people doing this kind of stuff. It's not just the the, the small company here, uh, you know, using the internet to grab uh, patterns for making face masks. We're seeing like 
sewing circles and collections of people uh, you know, sharing information on how to make an effective mask. I saw a thread, uh, it may have been on Facebook, that I stumbled into about, okay, what's the best material? You know, is it, is it um, you know, something like uh, uh, a vacuum cleaner bag? And as it turns out, you know, vacuum cleaner bags are right up there. Um, you know, obviously new ones that aren't full of dust. But <laughs> the idea is that there's a tremendous amount of information being shared about how everybody can actually pitch in and start working on, um, you know, dealing with a lot of these shortages. So I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, in a slightly, I'll just call it semi-breaking news, uh, there's a, a report from bleepingcomputer.com just this afternoon that a team viewer is stopping their commercial check on the use of their product in coronavirus-affected regions. Now, the reason I bring that up is that uh, TeamViewer is an exceptionally powerful remote access tool. It is a wonderful way uh, to provide technical support to someone uh, somewhere else. Uh, I've used it repeatedly myself uh, in, you know, doing remote diagnostics or configuration or any number of things to, uh, you know, the computers of various friends. Uh, for example, the Corgi breeder, who's like, you know, 40 miles away from here. Uh, if there's a problem with the computer, I can pop onto TeamViewer and do whatever I need to do to her machine. The problem with TeamViewer, and it's one that I tripped on myself, is that it's free for personal use, but not free for commercial use. And unfortunately, it's actually a little pricey for commercial use. And they check. And it's unclear what the criteria are, because of course, they wouldn't want that to be public. But at some point, uh, my use of TeamViewer tripped the commercial use flag, uh, probably because I've got it installed on you know, many machines and use it a lot of different ways. Uh, and uh, at that point, you know, your sessions are limited to like five minutes and you get a nag screen and all that kind of stuff. It, beca it, it becomes significantly less useful when that happens. I think that it makes a tremendous amount of sense and it's a really good move on their part to uh, stop checking for that in regions where people naturally are going to be doing a lot more remote support because they're not going to be able to even walk across the street to help their neighbor with the computer. Um, and if you are the tech person in your neighborhood or in your family or in your circle, uh, you could be doing a lot of that. And it would be very easy, just like for me, to uh, accidentally trip the commercial check. So right now they have turned that off in what they call coronavirus-affected areas, uh, things like Planet Italy. Earth. Like, well, well, that, that's where things get a little interesting. Uh, right now, it is places like Italy and Spain and I think China and so forth. They don't know about the United States yet. But um, if they are keeping to you know, those criteria, I suspect that the United States will certainly get bad enough. Uh, for them well, to hopefully make the same decision and let people use their product. It is a it is a fantastic product, and I really hope that businesses that can afford it uh, will, you know, as a result, potentially show their support for TeamViewer doing this kind of stuff by purchasing a license. I just know that it's out of the reach for small businesses like like mine. So um, the other thing that I tend to use a lot for that is a Chrome Remote Desktop. I don't know if you've ever played with that. Um, but it's it's basically a Chrome extension uh, that actually works not only in Chrome in the Chrome browser, but in in uh, the Chromium version of Edge and Opera and a couple of others. Uh, that's also a fine remote desktop utility. There are there are some drawbacks as compared to TeamViewer. It doesn't have all of the features and functionality, but it's a it's another approach to solving the same problem that I've fallen back on. Well, yeah, we're we're definitely. Um blowing apart the order of the show. That's fine. Yes, we are. That's I think we should, I should go with it. But yeah, one of the things I was going to mention later on was I've done a couple of videos on, you know, doing the uh, screen sharing kind of thing because um, I had a couple of requests and also just, it turned out in my own family too, uh, to do something as simple as reading a story to a child at night. Now, 
you can imagine that families are separated, if not the immediate family, like the parents and the children, the grandparents mm-hmm. certainly are someplace else, aunts and uncles, that kind of thing. And, and in some extreme situations, the parents also are not with their kids. And one of the ways that, uh, you know, little kids kind of experience things with their, uh, you know, uh, parents and family is, is by reading together. So I wanted to see how that could be done by computer. And the screen sharing stuff, in addition to being good for tech support, for business conference meetings and such, is good for reading stories to kids. And um, you could certainly do it with just FaceTime or Skype or whatever and have the book in your hands and read to them. But if you want them to be looking at the words in the book like you normally would, it helps to have it with screen sharing. So on Macs with just uh, using the Messages app, you could do it pretty quickly and easily, but you can't see the other person. It goes to audio and then screen sharing only. So you can talk and then you could see the book on two Macs. Right. So I was looking for something. What's the ultimate solution? The ultimate solution would have, uh, first of all, audio and video from both ends. So you right. could see each other and talk. You could also screen share so you could see exactly what uh, one person's doing you know, on the machine, looking at this ebook in like a books app uh, on the Mac or, or Kindle software, whatever. Right. And that at least on the other end, the, the child's end, they could do it with an iPad rather than a computer because it'd be much sure. more common for a kid yep. to be sitting on the sofa or in bed with an iPad uh, than having, you know, a Mac, you know, with them. And I was able to do it all using the, what we're using right now to record this podcast, which is Zoom. I actually went in uh, as a test. I, I did not use my account that I pay for, pay 15 bucks a month for, you know, a uh, business account. Right. I went and used a just an account I created from scratch because uh, you, you need an account to at least start the stream. The other person, the other end doesn't need an account at all. Like no sign up necessary for anything. Right. So I created this free trial. It's not even a free trial. It's just a free it's account. Just, yeah, they have a free tier. Yeah, it's a free yeah. tier. And I think that limits you to 40 minutes. Um, and I also, I think maybe the number of people too, that I, you yeah. could talk I think it with. Has, I think it's like both, right? I think it's, it's uh, yeah, two. I think it has to do with the length of a recording. Yeah. So if you're not recording anything, your meeting can go on pretty much forever. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it is. And then um, if you are recording, then if you have more than two or three people, that's uh-huh. when the when So it could work even, even better than I thought. If it doesn't yep. care, if it only cares about recording, yep. um, then you could do it as long as you want. Now, um, and I was able to easily set it up uh, with uh, the video and audio and also screen sharing. And I brought up an ebook on the screen um, and then on an iPad with no account at all, just click, you know, just entered in the, uh, on the iPad app, the meeting ID number. And I was there video chat, audio chat, and seeing the screen of the Mac. And, and then the cool thing is when you see the screen, you're, it's a mirrored screen. So the cursor, you could see the cursor. So you could follow along like a finger pointing at words. Oh, right. Right. You could highlight words. You could even sure. bring up dictionary, you know, the, the books yep. app on a Mac yep. it has a dictionary thing. So it's kind of a really nice, a nice enhanced experience. And it would allow somebody to, to do that. Um, and that could be done just for reading a bedtime story, but it also could be used for homework for, um, you know, you, you guys could just, uh, people can explore the web, right? You can bring up a web browser and explore something. I know kids, even the ones that are maybe a little too young for, you know, some serious reading, just bringing up photos, bring, you know, if you've got a, your photo album and all your family pictures, bringing that up and flipping through some photos and talking to a child somewhere else in the world, um, you know, kids love that. Kids love looking at photos and there's a lot you can do with that. I think, I think it's, there's a lot more than, you know, thinking about it for kids is absolutely great. I mean, it makes a tremendous amount of sense, but I'm also thinking about, um, you know, anybody that's isolated, right? Anybody that's, uh, you know, obviously as we all kind of sort of are right now, uh, but anybody that's isolated, especially like, you know, the grandparents and so forth, uh, to be able to do exactly those kinds of things where all they need is an iPad and something they can look at. And then you on the, the quote unquote sending end being the slightly more technical person, you know, mm-hmm. flipping through book, flipping through those pictures, having a conversation, showing them what's going on in the world, whatever, right? It's, it's, there's so much opportunity here for connection. Um, I'm impressed that Zoom did that. I wasn't sure if you could actually show, uh, share your screen and your webcam at yep. the same time. 
yeah, and without having to pay a penny uh, to do it. So yeah, very there, uh, very impressed. Worked really there well. There are um, my suspicion is it's been a while since I've done it, but I think you might be able to do the same thing with Skype. Um, yeah. I know that WebEx has a free tier that is uh, surprisingly um, uh, capable. Uh, I think the go-to webinars of the world don't. I think I think that you can do it, but they don't have a free tier. I think that you can do pretty much anything you want and go to webinar, go to meeting, that kind of stuff. But um, uh, it's all those features are all bundled into their paid versions. It's interesting because one of the things I commented on last week and probably even the week before was uh, my perception that uh, things have been amazingly resilient. In other words, there are, you know, there's a tremendous number of people now who are going online, doing live streaming, doing live video, doing chats, doing phone, you know, doing all that kind of stuff that haven't before, uh, especially all the work from home people that are having their, mm -hmm. you know, their, their office meetings using Zoom instead of uh, in person. And I may have spoken too soon. Uh, as it turns out, <laughs> as it turns out, Zoom apparently was having problems earlier today. Uh, I'm very pleased. I mean, obviously, we're here. We're using Zoom right now, uh, and it seems to be working well for us. We've been warned that there will be a significant delay in processing the recording uh, that mm -hmm. Zoom would automatically produce for us. So we're actually uh, recording it in a slightly different way. Uh, you have the opportunity to have them do the recording in the cloud or to record it on your machine. Gary, you've got the recording going to your machine in Zoom. Mm -hmm. And I, as always, have my safety net of uh, Camtasia, of all things, recording the audio for both of us at the same time. So one way or another, we get it. But it's interesting that, yep, yep, Zoom finally did hit some kind of a ceiling. And it'll be interesting to see how they, uh, how they recover. I also saw some reports that uh, Microsoft's Azure systems in Europe were facing some difficulties as well. Interestingly, they're, they're also... And I don't know what the features would be, but they are supposedly dialing back some of the features in uh, Microsoft Office 365 so as to reduce the, um, the load online, which kind of fascinates me. I'm just not sure what that would be in, a, in the case of something like a word processor. I have to assume that it's going to be something related to um, sharing, team viewer, I'm sorry, um, a Teams, uh, OneDrive, or something like that. But. Mm -hmm. But yes, the uh, the internet continues to work, which just all by itself is relatively impressive. Yep. Hey, why don't we talk about something that has nothing at all to do with the pandemic? The end, the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> the end of the world as we know it. I saw that as a as a as an acronym, T E whatever, and it was okay. Yes, I get that. <laughs> yes, please. Let's talk about something. Yeah. Else. And this, uh, uh, strangely enough, has to do with technology. Now, um, Apple came out with new stuff. So, uh, you know, big news in the they, Apple world. They do that all the time. They, they, well, but, uh, you know, this is, it, it was basically what would have been some sort of maybe special event, perhaps, uh, but they just did it online. They is there normally it. a special event this time of year? Uh, very often, yes. In okay. March, there is. Now, if they had a special event, perhaps they would have, uh, you know, had more that they talked about. Right. They probably limited it just to these few things, but it's kind of neat. Uh, they came out mainly with a new MacBook Air and also a new iPad Pro. Um, and both are really kind of good, uh, you know, making a lot of people happy. On the MacBook Air side, um, the, the Air basically, they it's cheaper than the previous model and better in almost every conceivable way. <laughs> um, you know, they, they basically, everything on it is a little bit better. That's so be right. they, you know, new processor, that's, that sounds really good. I mean, it's an I, I3 or you can get, you know, an upgrade on it, but I3 processor that's like 10th generation and looks like it handles things really well. Some new uh, graphic stuff too. Um, new keyboard, so they went with, you know, that new keyboard that's in the 16-inch model from last year, mm -hmm. which is basically, you know, a completely new mechanism, and they're trying to put that old butterfly keyboard behind them. Uh, now the MacBook Air has that. Um, and then they also just improve things like the microphones and the speakers and, uh, and such in the device, and it's cheaper. So uh, the base model is actually like a really good base model. <laughs> the base model's uh, 999 bucks, and it comes with a 256 gig 
drive. So you're not like, oh, it's $9.99, but nobody wants that because it's coming right. with 128 or something. Um, it comes with this i3 processor and uh, you know the new keyboard, and it's just it's just a really solid machine. Matter of fact, I'm considering buying one myself uh, to replace my 2016 13-inch MacBook Pro because um, it seems the perfect companion to a powerful desktop machine like I have. Right. Uh, I don't need any power in the the laptop because I'm not going to use it for anything like that. Um, and uh, sounds and like a, a great thousand bucks. Sounds it, like a great traveling machine. Yeah, you know, it's got you know the high resolution display and, and it weighs less than three pounds or about three pounds. Um, yeah, I and you know it, it's it's going to be the go to machine uh, for the next year for a lot of people like you know, the uh, large, maybe majority of Mac consumers, you know, mm -hmm. students going to school, people that want their own personal machine, uh, that kind of thing. So it's great, a great new model. And there are upgrade, you know, you can go up to an i5, maybe even more than that, I think, and bigger drives and all of that. Um, so yeah, that was cool. And then at the same time, Apple introduced the uh, machine that you should buy instead, <laughs> the MacBook Air. Uh, it's kind of weird because like these, they, they introduced two things that basically compete directly with each other. Uh, so the iPad Pro itself really isn't that different than last year, actually from two years ago, the iPad Pro. They, they did a whole redesign two years ago of the iPad Pro. Looks really cool. Got some great specs. This new one basically is the same thing with a big exception of the, the cameras. Uh, they added a second regular camera to the back. So there's the regular wide angle camera and now an ultra wide also to the back. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, they added a LIDAR sensor, a 3D sensor basically that detects how far objects are from the, the device. So it basically creates a 3D picture of what it can see without having to have two cameras to act like two eyes seeing right. two different angles. This is actually uh, using lasers <laughs> to uh, lasers, yes. <laughs> to, to see how far to see how far things are from uh, from the device, which you know you can't really do much with right now, right? <laughs> except for a little bit of augmented reality fun. But the idea is that now that that's finally in a machine like the iPad Pro, uh, developers can now start you know, working on it, knowing that people will actually use their apps because, uh, you know, they could, they don't need some sort of special development machine or hardware to do it. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, Apple does everything with software kits. So they have, you know, their AR kit, which, you know, if you were developing an augmented reality application, you would just plug everything into the AR kit and say things like, oh, I need the camera feed. I need the, you know, how far these objects are and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about, um, doing it that way is if a developer has been working on an augmented reality application, th they don't have to go and recode everything. Now the AR kit is just updated and they have some extra hooks in there and some existing things work better. So that's really cool. But for most people, the big deal was the introduction of this keyboard, uh, the uh, keyboard, ma uh, the magic keyboard. You even have trouble saying it I with mean, respect to so, iPad, so don't excited. you? <laughs> so, so here's the deal. It's not a, you know, they call it the magic keyboard, which is weird because, you know, it sounds like it's just a keyboard, but it's actually a keyboard slash trackpad. Um, and actually keyboard slash trackpad slash stand for the iPad Pro. So it has the keyboard and has the trackpad in front of it. So it kind of looks like the bottom half of a laptop. Right. You know, really super thin and because it's, there's nothing underneath it. And it's using like cantilevered, like hinges so that when you you connect it to your ipad the ipad actually hovers above it so instead of having a thing where your bottom of your screen is now flush with the table right but you're looking down at the the screen it's above it as it may be say on a laptop or certainly if you have something like a regular desktop computer it's it's definitely several inches above your keyboard not right there um, so it looks really cool, and uh, they introduced today support not just for this new iPad Pro model, but for all iPads that can upgrade to the latest operating system, which is now 13.4, um, that it supports trackpads, uh, you know, with not with, as an accessibility feature, but as something you could actually use uh, instead of the touchscreen. 
Interesting. And you could do it with any trackpad existing now. So uh, I'm assuming it connects. Device. It connects via Bluetooth or something. Yeah. yeah, Bluetooth and same thing. So you can do a Bluetooth keyboard, a Bluetooth trackpad now. Um, I believe the Magic keyboard connects with you know there's special connectors on the side. Uh, ah. So I think it connects that way. Uh, so you don't even need Bluetooth. But it basically turns the iPad Pro into a laptop. Right. And so it asks the question of, oh, here's a new iPad Air. Isn't it perfect? Isn't it great? Isn't it exactly what you wanted? Well, guess what? Here's the iPad Pro with a Magic Keyboard that may be even the better option as your lightweight laptop. Uh, one of the interesting things about it is you're looking probably at two pounds or less to get an iPad Pro with the Magic Keyboard. Um, so it's even lighter. How's the pricing? Ha having a laptop. So the iPad Pro, you can get a 11-inch a one for $799 and the 13-inch one for $999. And then the keyboard is either $300 or $350, depending upon the two sizes. So you're talking about spending more money. You've got, say, if you wanted the full 13-inch one, then you'd be looking at $1350 for the whole thing. Whereas the iPad, uh, the MacBook Air, you'd still be at 1000 bucks. Right. To kind of compare to it. Um, so it is more expensive to do that, but you know, you still can break the keyboard off of it and just sit, sit and use it as an iPad and touch screen and play games on it and watch Netflix. And you know, there's certain advantages to having it that way. Based, I did a whole video on um, which one you, should you get, you know, if you're trying to decide between the two of them. And it basically comes down to the the pro apps, right? You know, you need the MacBook Air if you're going to do like video editing and you want a pro video editing app or you're using an engineering app or science app or, you know, some sort of audio editing stuff, then you're just going to need the MacBook Air. But right. if you're at just a non-techie computer user, you want to surf the web, you want to watch Netflix, you want to play some games, all of that, then the iPad Pro could be a really interesting alternative um, and, and it looks pretty cool too. So anyway, some exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, it is. It is at a weird time to. It's have. yeah. It's it's unfortunate they, but I'm glad they. I'm glad they're doing it. I mean, I'm glad they didn't just sort of delay that. Yeah, they um, could have, but they didn't. And it'd be interesting to understand if they did delay something that, of course, they didn't talk about. Mm. The uh, the air to me uh, seems really appealing. Uh, yes, I definitely fall on the geeky side of of the equation. But, uh, you know, I want to be able to do things like um, run my favorite text editor, which you can't do on an iPad, or um, run two or three or four different browsers, which, of course, you can't do on an iPad. Um, well, you can. Well, not the browsers that I necessarily want. No. Right? Well, I, I, I don't know what browsers those are, but you could run, I mean, Chrome. Chrome is there, I'm sure. Yeah, of Brave, course, and you could and Edge. Um, I, do, I don't know, but yeah. you could do Chrome and Safari, and you could split screens, so you could have two up at the same time. Um, also, while you may not be able to run your favorite text editor, you can discover your new favorite text editor. <laughs> and there are some good things. I was playing with one the other day that was really it was a text editor, but it was like really high end. I was like, "Well, this is nice." I almost kind of found myself wanting there to be a Mac version of it. It was so it's funny, cool. Every so often, I'm really, really tempted to to explore other text editors. Yeah. Um, the the one that I that I use is the one that I started using the very first day I showed up at Microsoft. And that's Vi. Um, mm. Then referred to as Vim and now referred to as GVim for graphical Vim. Uh, and the reason I, I just keep coming back to it is it's on every stinking platform that I'm on, except of course for the iPad, which I'm not on. The uh, or the iPhone for that matter. Um, so it's, yeah, that's, that's just me being uber geeky and, and stuck in my ways. I know that there are lots of really, really good text editors out there, but for the most part, they end up being really, really good on one platform and then either non-existent or just not the same on another, which is unfortunate, um, because oh. I'm a, I'm absolutely a multi-platform kind of guy. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that my wife is uh, still using a MacBook Air that, gosh, it's got to be, when were they introduced? 
Do you remember? The original Airs, oh, around 2006 was maybe the first one. Okay, model. so it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking that hers is probably like 2012, 2014. She's had it for a long time. Mm. She's had it for long enough that honestly, the biggest problem with the device is that the hinge is too loose, right? So oh. if, you, if you're not careful the screen will flop down on you because it just doesn't have the, the friction to hold it in place anymore. Mm. Um, but other than that, it's, it's, it continues to serve her well. Um, even the battery life is not too horrible, uh, although we tend to use it mostly plugged in anyway. Yeah, I, used, I had a 2009 MacBook Air that I used well into, say, 2017. Right. Uh, not as my main one, but I would uh, sometimes I, I took it with on a couple of trips in um, 2017 even though I had a newer laptop, just because I wasn't going to be, do, I wasn't supposed to be doing work on those trips. But I did want to have a way that if I did want to do work, like I did want to just goes. keep up with email, right? I didn't want it to take up a lot of time right. because I was thinking, well, I could, I could do it on my iPhone, but that could turn 10 minutes of work into half hour of work, right? Trying to do stuff on your iPhone. Whereas if I could pull out a MacBook Air, the screen, the keyboard, and all that, I can dispatch with a few emails. Uh, no problem. So I, so I definitely use that um, well into, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of years. I suppose in theory, I could still use Vi on an iPad by using, I'm sure there's a remote desktop kind of well, app. So I, could, at, I, I, I could remote into a real system that I could run the thing on, but that would still be so painful. I, I, I actually just, have done that on my, on my Android phone. I have um, done a, 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 basically a remote desktop to a real PC and then done things on it and oh man does that get painful really quick <laughs> the uh i just looked and there are a couple of vim apps for the iPad. cool cool and i just uh downloaded one that it claims to be uh a, a port of vim i personally do do not like <laughs> vi as i of call course. it uh, I was I was more of a well, I was more of an Emacs guy, Emacs kind of guy, and yeah. As, and as soon as uh, uh, Pano Nano mm -hmm. came onto the scene, I was like, "Well, this is makes a lot more sense to me than those silly other editors." Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> were you were you around when WordStar was the editor of choice? No, well, I don't think I ever really used it. Okay, because that's what what I actually learned on prior to Microsoft. We were using WordStar in the small company that I was at, and yeah. uh, you know, you learn all the keystrokes, and it's just it's it's it just works. When I when I uh, when I was in college, you could you basically were told, oh, you got stuff you need to do on the computer, which was a terminal at the time. Right. Um, you had to do in, you could choose VI or Emacs. Right. And um and I tried VI, and then Emacs made a lot more sense. And then I think for a month or two, I switched to VI because. People convinced me it was better, and I got to be good at it. And even though I was good at it, I decided that Emacs was still better. <laughs> so I switched yeah. back to it. I, I don't know. I'm glad that I don't have to do much with those um, those anymore. I can use more of a graphical uh, text right. editor. Right, yeah. The, my, the editor I use the most these days is uh, WordPress, <laughs> right? Well, Where sure, I'm writing yeah, all my articles. Yeah. So, um, Cool. Uh, so I have I've debated, and this is actually an interesting, an interesting thing to get your read on. I mean, love the MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. I love, I love what you've described. Um, it's really tempting, even for me, as a if I if I were in the market for um, a laptop to travel with me, uh, and I didn't have the laptop that I have available now, which is overkill for travel. Um, it does sound exactly like you said, a great desktop companion, but. I take a look at someone like my wife who basically does what you described, you know, Facebook, the internet, surfing, Amazon, um, email, that kind of thing. I have toyed with, you know, when the end inevitably comes and it's time for us to do something different for her. I've actually toyed with a Chromebook. I've wondered mm. if a Chromebook wouldn't be sufficient to meet her needs. She needs a keyboard absolutely needs a keyboard. So until today, until this new iPad, um, you know, that was just a non-starter. Any tablet was a non-starter. But, um, you know, when I take a look at some of the, the price power um, availability, the security, the inherent security um, of, of it being a uh, another platform that's not targeted very much, everything comes from the store, much like um, uh, you know, the Macs or the iPads. Um, I just, I, I kind of wonder if that's the direction I want to be taking her. 
you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, think about the Chromebooks is they're really all over the place in terms of uh, power because you, you can get one for under 300 bucks. Yep. And But you can also get one for over 1000 Yep. Um, so, you know, it's hard, you know, once, every time I hear somebody, oh, I have a Chromebook and it's great, it does everything I need. And it turns out, the, you know, they have one that costs them $1,200 or something. Right, right. It's, it's, uh, a, it's, a, it's a regular old laptop, it's just a different OS. Yep. Yeah. So the question is, is, is it, I, I remember years ago, remember the netbooks for a couple of years, there were netbooks yes. for a big thing. Yes. And, you know, they were in this price range. They were cheap. And I think I picked up like an Asus netbook because I was really curious about it for like 200 bucks and it was really lightweight and it was and i think the first thing i did was uninstall the operating system they had with it and install there was an ubuntu uh version for netbooks right that was supposed to be superior and all and it was cool it was interesting i didn't really get to use it much and never replaced any you know macbook that i had with me you know for traveling or anything like that um, but I wonder if it's kind of the same thing here uh, where it's, I, I, I don't know. You, you, the problem is it's hard for you and me to envision like someone like your wife. Right. Would, oh, yeah. would they, would, if you just gave it to them and said, this is your computer, this right. is where you send email, this is where you browse the web, go ahead and use it. That's like the real test. Um, and uh, certainly, I think it's possible. Now, I know lots of schools are using them. Strangely enough, I know the local school district here, Denver Public Schools, just mm-hmm. acquired 9,000 uh, Chromebook machines because uh, they will be going soon to uh, learning at home. And they Is have this, to take, take care of Was this a planned their, change or no, you know, part uh, of the no. sheltering? Okay. Yeah, sheltering. So they, they basically need to, in order to do that, they need to take care of these students that do not have. Uh, right. a, anything at home. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, I wonder what model that they got, uh, f- you know, for the students, um, and what it's capable of. I know a lot of the stuff they do is Google. They use Google's, uh, you know, online system, right. School, schoolology or whatever it is to, uh, for the students to do things. Um, and I know several times I've tried, uh, you know, to look into what they, what, it, what do they use for their, their stuff? How do they, and it's all just Google. So everybody gets a Google, <laughs> like the, the, the email addresses are all Gmail accounts. Really? really? It comes down to it. Yep. I'm surprised. Um, just there, you know, it's the school, you know, there's the school district domain, uh, but they're Google Gmail accounts. And, um, this stuff are Google Docs, Google Spreadsheets for some science classes and math classes and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of that. And in that case, it's perfect for Chromebook, right? Because that right. They, right right out of the gate, that's in. taken yep. care of. Yeah, it's yep. baked in. Um, and then basic web browsing, email. So I don't know. It sounds like a good experiment, especially if you're not looking to buy like a higher end one. If you're thinking, well, we'll we'll like this three hundred dollar. Uh, well, I don't know if you remember, um, a couple of years ago, gosh, it's got to be like three or four years ago by now, um, I did get uh, one of the cheapest Asus Chromebooks I could find. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I think it might still be in my basement. And I took it with me on a trip to a conference. Mm-hmm. And I now, to be safe, I also took my regular laptop, but I left that in my suitcase, right? So my day-to-day I just wanted to see if the Chromebook would do it. The cheap Chromebook would do it. And even then, it was close. It wasn't quite. Um, and, I, you know, obviously, I've since returned to taking my laptop with me wherever I go. But it was an interesting experiment just to see. It's surprising how much you can get done. And that's really just a side effect of how much has moved online. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. more than, obviously, it's more than just, um, you know, email and, and you know, those kinds of things. But like I said earlier, the, the editor that I spend most of the time in is WordPress. Well, that's in my browser. So I'm online while I'm doing all that stuff. Uh, so I don't necessarily need to run a writing tool uh, or something separate, which is also what made the um, severely 
underperformanced, if that's a word, um, device uh, managed to hold even that much of its own because, you know, yeah, it was a slow, cheap machine, but uh, it was faster than the internet connections I was dealing with, and that's really all I needed at the time. Right. And I Well, I suspect, see, you and I are special cases, you know. In because, so many ways. Because you, you know, you serve the Windows community, I serve the Mac community. It, while it seems on the face of things, I could use an iPad or a Chromebook to get a lot of my work done, mm-hmm. uh, especially if I'm not making the videos at the, at the moment. Uh, all it takes is for a simple question like, where in system preferences do I find this checkbox? <laughs> and, and I could have the best iPad in the world in front of me and the best iPhone in the world in my pocket. It's not going to, in order to answer that question, I need to have a Mac in front of me so I can just look for three seconds to right. say, oh, that's under users and groups. Um, that's y- what you remote know. desktop is for. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's the, for me is the main issue that I'll yeah. get tripped up instantly. There have even been times where I've done that, where I've, I've said, I'm going downstairs for breakfast. I'm going to go and have my breakfast and answer my email. And I'm only going to take my iPad with me. And like the very first email is like, oh, <laughs> I just need to look at a Mac for like three seconds to figure out the answer to this question somebody's asking me. Um, three hours later, he comes back downstairs. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's like, uh, it, for me, it, unfortunately, like decided between an iPad Pro with the keyboard and a MacBook Air, there's no question. I'm going to go with a MacBook Air. Sure, sure, um, sure. Yeah. But if I have to suggest something, say, for my wife to use, um, she's already very used to doing almost everything on her phone. Uh, it, it might be the kind of thing where maybe, you know, to look into her next computer being uh, an iPad Pro. Yeah. Maybe. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we, you know, we've, I think we've successfully dealt with um, most of what we were going to talk about later. <laughs> yeah, so, I know. It's all out of order. It really is. But you have a couple things. I know I, I've talked about everything. You have a couple of things you've got left to, to so mention. In the, in the, I, I, I used to call it off topic. I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably a bad name for this segment. I, I just prefer something maybe like Ain't It Cool. Sure, so Ain't my, It Cool. My, yeah, I my like it. Ain't It Cool moment for, for, this, um, for this episode is going to seem really, really lame. I mean, it's super lame, but I'll tell you, it's a lifesaver. So Washington State went into full lockdown yesterday. Um, You know, all that non-essential stuff, stop doing that. Close the non-essential businesses, don't go anywhere, um, that kind of stuff. Last night is when our dryer decided to die. The washer and dryer, it Mm. just stopped drying. When you've got four dogs and in our climate, uh, drying things like towels uh, is a pretty constant, important thing. So normally the, the go-to reaction, of course, is to call uh, a repairman for something like that. And which, of course, we did. We, we, put in, we left the voicemails in the various places hoping that um, they would reach out to us and at least you know, return the calls, thinking that they were probably going to be shut down because they didn't seem like they would be quote-unquote essential services. Um, and you know, Hey, I've got a double E degree. Electricity doesn't scare me. So I pulled the dryer out and started pulling it apart. And yes, with a little bit of help from my friend, the internet, uh, I was able to determine that, Oh yeah. When this symptom happens, the specific symptoms, it's usually this part. So I pulled that part out, um, tested it. And sure enough, that part was broken. And then I went back to my friend, the internet, and said, hey, where can I get this part? And of course, you know, it's a $10 part. It's, it's not expensive at all. I don't have to go anywhere to get it. And sure enough, um, it was not Amazon of all things, which always huh. surprises me when I end up buying something somewhere other than Amazon. Uh, so I can't even say that there was a buy now button, but there was a sequence of, you know, add it to the cart, check out, ship it to me quickly. So the part should be here tomorrow. I just find that kind of stuff remarkable. The fact that all of these pieces can come together at a really bad time. uh, And I don't have to interact with anybody physically to make this happen, right? Somebody tomorrow will drop a box off at my door uh, that will have this part and I'll be able to go back in and, and do the deed. Um, Hopefully it'll work. The, uh, what I found out today 
uh, from our favorite repairman who actually did return my call uh, is a, uh, as it turns out, uh, equipment or um, uh, a I forget what the wording, the phrase he used, but um, maintenance of, of um, you know, housing, buildings, that kind of stuff is considered an essential service, at least under whatever rules the Washington state governor put into place. So he would have been able to come out. Uh, he also confirmed my diagnosis as the most likely one. Uh, but he also indicated that he was under a fair amount of pressure from his family not to go out. So it's it's all worked out well. Um, but yes, this, this like I said, it, it sounds very lame and it's mostly lame because it's so many things that we take for granted, but they're coming together at exactly the right time to solve a problem in a crisis. And that's actually pretty darn cool as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, it's cool that you're able to fix it. A dryer is one of the few things, the few appliances I will actually take a shot at fixing. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to like a refrigerator or something where it's like, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a light bulb, sure. Nope. But the rest of it, no, not going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. the the And it's one of those things where, you know, it's also one of those tra- time trade-offs. Is this what I want to spend my time doing? And, you know, right now, yes, the priorities are such that absolutely in order for, for you know, things to, to remain peaceful here at home, um, that is exactly what I needed to be spending my time doing. And it worked out well. So. Yep. Um, in terms of uh, blatant self-promotion, like you said, you've already uh, talked about right. already the, did. We'll have a link. Uh, reading books to children. So we'll have a, a link to that article or that video actually on your site. Mine is one that got featured in uh, the Ask Leo newsletter today. It's one that I've resurrected because it is so incredibly important and timely, and I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. And that simply is how much can I trust information on the internet? Uh, it, the, the problem is... I mean, for years, it's always been a joke that, well, if it's on the internet, it must be true. And sent, said sarcastically, because of course, it's not necessarily true. The problem that's going on today is, is that if it's on the internet, people assume it to be true. If it's on Facebook, they assume it to be true. Or rather, they don't bring anything to the table in terms of making sure that it's true before they propagate you know, the, the information. There's a lot of great information out there. There really is. Um, and I try really hard to only share that which I think is uh, both, you know, as accurate as possible, but also as important as possible. But there's so much crap, for lack of a better term. Mm. I can think of stronger terms, but I'll just keep it family friendly here. There's so much crap on the internet and it's getting shared and it's getting shared as if it were true. Uh, and it's just, it's just such a shame. And what it really means is that the problem is that you and I and everybody who's facing this flood of information really need to take responsibility to do a little bit more work vetting what it is we're about to share with other people or what it is we're about to believe ourselves. So anyway, that's what my article is all about. It's it's something that I consider to be extremely important, especially in the current climate with everything that's going on with the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So on, on that happy note... Yeah. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps us up for this week. Yep. I Let's see. Where's my notes? Where's my notes? The show notes for this week will be at tehpodcast.com slash teh91. If you've got a comment or question for us, hey, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at the TEH podcast or leave a comment on the show notes page. Thanks as always for listening. We appreciate your being here. We appreciate the time you take to spend with us. We will see you here again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.